You're listening to a podcast from the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. Very welcome. My name is Eve Patton and I'm director of Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute, which is a big building over the way. Uh, and we represent the arts and humanities in Trinity. Uh, and for this week, we have been experimenting with our inaugural Arts and Humanities Research Festival. So since Monday, we've been running events and conversations and talks and discussions on everything from literature and theology to philosophy. And I've just come from a fabulous discussion on the future of music and artificial intelligence. <coughs> Uh, which wasn't quite as dystopian as you might expect, but let me just say it's restorative to be able to come over here uh, with the promise of listening to some real music. Uh, so you're all very welcome to this special screening of Old Ghosts, uh, and you're going to be hearing a little bit more about it from our chair this evening, my colleague Melissa Sira from the School of Creative Arts in Trinity. Suffice to say, this is an amazing piece of work that's been put together in a collaboration between Irish National Opera and the wonderful Anu Productions that we heard a little bit about, in fact, earlier on this week in our festival from my colleague Brian Singleton. Um, but what we're going to see tonight is the product of uh, absolutely amazing work by Evangelia Rigaki, my colleague from the School of Music, who has been the composer of the piece, his chamber opera, and the playwright, Marina Carr, who has worked on the libretto. Um, and it's an extraordinary piece of work. We're going to be very fortunate, if the technology holds, to be able to watch the piece in total. So I'm, I know I don't have to remind this audience that you will be switching off your phones for this period. Uh, but I'm not going to say any more about it at this point. We are going to have some Q&A or some discussion after the screening, uh, but I'd, I'd like now to hand over to Melissa, my good colleague, who will take it from here. Melissa. Ulysses, 
And as we will discuss and uh, absorb and, uh, and immerse ourselves in now, Old Roses is a very special response to one of the chapters of Ulysses. I'm not going to say more about that right now, except to say that we are going to be visiting some old ghosts here. And uh, I do wish to a happy screening, and we will then have Marina and Adela up to, to talk to us some more about it. Thank you. So, um, thank you so much for this very beautiful, haunting piece, this conversation of ghosts. Um, and it really is a conversation about art and the artist and the creative impulse that is so painful and joyous. So, thank you so much. Um, um, this is a response to Ulysses and to Penelope, the chapter. So, could you please tell us? a little bit about how you approached Penelope, that chapter, and your creative processes together. And there's a vision. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? And so they uh, got the creative process in front of a memo. Um, so yeah, I, it was the, uh, you're all aware of the Ulysses celebrations last year. Um, and I was assigned uh, chapter 18, the Penelope, as they call it. Um, and I was delighted because I had been looking at that chapter to write another thing. Um, so I was well versed in it. And I don't know about you, but um, when I was at university many, many moons ago, um, they taught us Ulysses at UCD, but they, they kind of concentrated on the first eight sections and then uh, another chapter. That was the way it was taught. So there are many, many chapters um, in Ulysses which I am vaguely familiar with but would not like to be questioned. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think I have a fair idea of chapter 18. It's a magnificent chapter and I don't know if you listened to Sean McKenna uh, reading it or, or um, reading it or maybe memorizing it or I spent a lot of time before I wrote this piece and uh, just listening to uh, recordings of it just for the rhythm and the use of the language. And as you're well aware, I presume, um, Joyce obviously was hugely influenced by Homer and was obsessed with uh, uh, the Odyssey. So that was my starting point. And um, I thought maybe why not have um, you know Molly Bloom, that soliloquy has been done to death, so I didn't want to um, do a version of that. But I didn't want um, I suppose the influences uh, that may possibly have been rolling around in Joyce's mind. I think God knows what goes on in Joyce's mind, or what went on in Joyce's mind, and I couldn't begin. To approach that, but obviously Homer was a big thing. Obviously his wife was a big thing, and obviously um, the Penelope character in the Odyssey was a huge source of inspiration for Joyce. So just putting three of those together and just trying to think, and then obviously the letters. His letters are magnificent. I don't know if you've read them, if you have. 
happens on you may have is not this chest get that was there. Absolutely beautiful and revelatory and they give a real in to just the day-to-day mind of the man and, and the beauty of the man and just the humanity of him. And which is made of lots of other aspects of choice that I don't know, maybe maybe not enough is made of just the, the struggle. We tend to think of Joyce, the genius, you know, the writer of Felix Lee's, Lincoln's Wake, the Dubliner's portrait, etc. Um, but to think of the, the struggle he had and you know, the wife and the children and teaching and living hand to mouth for many, many years um, while he was writing um, these incredible books. So I was putting all that together. I love the idea of Homer. You know, there's a new book out in Homer about this um, Oxford scar in the Latin scene that he's basically trying to prove that Homer actually existed. Um, and I've, I've never had any problem believing that there was a Homer rather than a, a, a group kind of communal writing and iteration and reiteration of the Nayarans to be all storytelling coming down and eventually being written down, etc, etc. But um, I just thought Joyce and Homer talking would be great. Uh, Nora and Joyce, uh, Nora who is such an inspiration obviously from all of you, and then Penelope coming in, uh, disagreeing with two boys, <laughs> and I that was bad, that they basically got the whole story backwards, and uh, just bumping her off. So that was, that was the inspiration for me. And I worked in Shark Opera with Evangelion before, and I love her music. She's an incredible composer. So I was absolutely thrilled for her she asked us um, to collaborate on this. And uh, yes, please, Evangelia, please tell us about how you thought, how you thought your way into the composition of this piece what we've heard tonight, please. Yeah. So I started thinking in my way when I received Marina's uh, libretto and I was trying to, I had uh, five musicians, there were no electronics in this opera, and I was trying to bring elements of Irishness and Greekness in this opera to reflect, you know, the both traditions without making it sound touristy or uh, obvious Greek or uh, Irish. So in, in uh, there run clear sections in the piece. In the first one is Joyce, I was using Senos elements, and when Penelope comes, I use a lot of Greek percussion. And the harp was the uniting thread across the piece, which is a very dear instrument for both Irish music and Greek music, uh, quite emblematic. And the material, so I was trying to weave layers into the composition, using also as an emancipation point Monteverdi's of uh, the return of Ulisse, mainly for the art part. And um, I was trying its voice to sound different, you know, Joyce and Penelope and Homer and Nora. And the fueling, the fueling for me for writing this piece was of course Marina's words. It was a dream commission. I was uh, admiring Marina's works before we collaborated in the first opera, since I arrived in Ireland. So it was a dream for me. And I knew Anu's work 
from Brian Singleton and his lectures. I had visited these rooms and Anne with him. So it was a dream to collaborate both with Anu and Marina. Anu now they make very site-specific work with very contemporary texts and issues. And Marina, this was very poetic and had words that I was trying to have them heard and honored. So it was a lot of decisions and choices in speed writing because this project happened very fast. <coughs> Fergus gave us the commission in February. Marina gave me the words 28 June and I had to give the text the full score end of December. So in terms of popular writing, it was like six months. It was really, really fast. Really fast. We just hit the ground running. We didn't expect that. It landed in our laps, but it was such a good opportunity to negotiate time and say more. And you had an established collaborative relationship already with a previous work. Yeah, the gift. The yeah. gift. Yeah. We had done a short opera as part of uh, Irish National Opera Commission 20 shorts. This happened during COVID. They commissioned 20 short operas because another opera with the big money fell out. So they wanted to use this money that couldn't happen in Getty because of Actually, it was William Hell that couldn't happen at the moment because of the COVID restrictions. So they used that Arts Council money to commission 20 composers and writers to make online operas for people to see at home. It was a fascinating project. And this was our first piece. And we are collaborating with Marina on other pieces. I'm finishing our acquired piece. We are working on the next opera, so we, we keep busy. Thank you very much for your incredible contributions tonight and your reflections on your practice. It's so beautiful to hear you both. Um, and Joyce, James Joyce says in this opera, write, sing for the joy of it. And I'm sure you'll come to agree that tonight we can hear artists who write and sing for the joy of it together. So I'd like you to take at this moment to thank Marina and Evangelia and thank you all for being here tonight.